<laughs> a busy morning news wise. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Where, Where is he Paul? Um, yeah, he's coming. Yeah, he's being a nuisance. His new sunglasses. He's probably going to wear them in here. But yeah, I saw this story. Yeah. I mean, it's great. He's got a new pair of sunglasses. Yay. Yay. He's a cool guy now. You're not a secret agent. No, he's not. Not even close. <laughs> in fact, he'd be the worst super agent, I think. Because <laughs> he just talks too much. Right? Yeah, he would be actually be, a, be the worst being a super secret agent. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, what if you could meet with a deceased loved one through VR? What? You never cleared that with us. What is this necromancy you're talking about? <laughs> That's not okay. Sonic the Hedgehog has had the best opening ever for a video game movie. And we got our first teaser for Stranger Things for how many strange things can happen now. <laughs> That's just the tagline for the series now <laughs> for the season. Nerdy is the new sexy. Let's go to be the Zones Geek Out, the podcast. It's the Zones Geek Out podcast, episode 71. We record this on Tuesday, February 18th, 2020, on our new day, except for, well, no, like next week we'll probably record on a Monday because we're all in an all-staff meeting on Tuesday. It'll still probably come out on a Wednesday. It's very confusing. I'm Webmaster Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at 7.20 with Dylan and Jason in the Morning Zone. Paul Vecino, and I host the Afternoon Zone. Art Aronson, reporter for the Q and the Zone radio stations, and a uh, little bit nervous, actually. About what? Since it's just the three of us. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I know. I was talking to Bud about this earlier. I think it's a little, it's a fun dynamic. We've done pods recently in the last few months that's like just, uh, it was like me, Bud, and Brian, and um, it's a, it was a good dynamic. It's like less bullshitting and horsing around, <laughs> um, but more like a fun discussion. It's like... I don't think it's any less exciting or anything like that. It's just I, a different dynamic. Yeah, different dynamic, yeah. I, I certainly miss Kirsten and Brian, for sure. They're probably listening to this right now. I miss you both so dearly and desperately. Wow. What happened? Okay, so Brian is in New York City right now. Right. Mr. Hotshot Music Director, jet-setting all over the place on record label dime. For a concert. For a concert. And then coming back. <laughs> and he's going to Brooklyn. And I hope that he brings me back a piece of pizza. Um, and bless you, Brian. And then Kirsten, what? Is it sick, bud? Kirsten is quite sick, yeah. She was up all night puking. I'm, I'm sorry, I probably didn't need to share that with all of you. <laughs> um, yeah, she was up uh, quite sick, so she is recovering. Hopefully chicken souping and petting puppies and drinking lots of fluids. So just a side note here, and maybe you can confirm this, mm. Paul. I heard that in the music industry, this is what's changed, one of the things that's changed. Before, they used to, you know, fly out the DJs and do all the things. Now it's just they're targeting music directors, the people that are in charge of making the decision about music. Which makes sense. Which does make sense. Because the DJs were never in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I feel like this is um, a nice thing that's coming back a little bit, um, that they're bringing out music directors to see shows and stuff like that, because for a long time it wasn't there. It was just like the record labels were just like, you'll just do our what as we say. We'll tell you what to play and you'll just play it. And now with the like insane democracy of ideas and tastes online and the sheer volume of, of content out there absolutely it's become a lot difficult i think to actually break through so yeah brian i mean like i don't remember him three four years ago going on nope. trips all the time nope. and i feel like that guy has been on so many trips recently uh, they would ship artists reason. they would ship artists here you know they would they would yeah, either bring the label to play a new tune or they would bring the artist physically mm -hmm. here just like they weren't in town for a show they weren't doing a junket or anything they were just going radio station to radio station yeah. to make that personal connection 
At least it's not like the olden days of the 60s or whenever whenever we had payola, which was basically drugs inside record sleeves and play our stuff. And <laughs> so this is like a different form of payola. It's a polite payola, I guess. Yeah, a more, It's uh, not payola, no, you guys. No, it's not. That's very illegal. <laughs> We're not accusing <laughs> our boy, Boitano, of payola. No, that's yeah. not what we're doing here. But I mean, it's pretty sweet for Brian to get to go and do these things. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah, yeah. Slightly and jealous. I'll say too, Brian is not one of these guys to be swayed either because I know for a fact that he's gone and seen shows and you would think that like the, if it was a payola situation, he'd come back and be like, well, we're adding this musician who I just went, got flown down to Los Angeles to see. And it's, that's not the case at all. We still, he's like, yeah, the show was good. There was a lot of fans there. It was really jumping. And then we look at each other and then we're like, well, we're going to add the song. And we're just like, it doesn't work for the zone. So no. Bless your music department. Don't. Yeah. No. So really, that's to Brian's credit as well. We've always been like that. We've like sometimes we'll if we if an artist is big, yet their single is not necessarily what would align with us. Yeah. We'll go through the album and find a different cut. We've we've certainly done that a number of times. I love that about us. Sure. And it's yeah, we uh, are not necessarily the trend followers. I don't think we're like the biggest trend setters, but we have certainly zagged when a lot of people have been zigging. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big fan of uh, what this music department has always done on the zone. If I can toot the horn on this weird other different podcast for a second. <laughs> Truly, it's like we've done a really great job of um, following what is the biggest mainstream stuff because you really do want to keep your listeners you know, on top of that. And there is the massive worldwide demand for it, and certainly here in Victoria, as well as you know, taking chances and playing some stuff that they might not hear other less... Um, uh, risk-taking radio stations to do. So it is a balance, and I think that uh, Brian, with Brian at the helm, we really do uh, do that in a good way. Well, thanks for that back story to all that, because I'm, <laughs> I am I like to miss all these meetings. I've that's the type of, is, that's what I do around here. I, just, I miss those music meetings, I, and so to hear some of those, the backstory of how decisions are made is interesting to me. Yeah, come yeah. sit on them one time. They're maybe, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> this week on Buzz Weekly Geek Out, a weird one, a different, little heavier one. Um, There's this little girl in Korea who died in 2016, and just recently, with her brother and uh, sister and father watching, her mother put on a VR headset and ended up in a in a virtual garden where an avatar of her late daughter was mm-hmm. and she got to talk with her and you know through touch feedback gloves like pet her head and hold her hand and they wandered the garden and they had a conversation and she sat down and had virtual tea with them and yeah weird strange somewhat concerning um you know mm. ethics and yeah. psyche breaking and whatnot and black mirror and ops it was also done for a korean television show oh so you know and the lady went unwillingly obviously and like i you know, want to help out people uh, other people who have lost a family member like me but um yeah a strange one a really john williams brought this to me actually just a, a very big good question to ask and jason brought up a really good point is like we as human beings are designed to get through grieving over death and yeah. we're meant to move on and, yeah. and the exceptions to the rule are those that can't as a as a species in general we're supposed to be able to do this and this doesn't help um this black mirrors it and and just uh, you know there's 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 dependency there's possible non-closure there's all sorts of things that could kind of go sideways with this and worse there's the possibility of exploitation because Shysters are shysters, and they like money, and they like preying on, you know, weak or hurt people. So. Oh, certainly. 
So yeah, an interesting, interesting concept. Uh, the video I found tough to watch, but it was really? uh, it was good. It was oh, good I'm to watch. And sure, the mom was just like weeping yep. the entire time. the entire time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this doesn't shock me. People like to hold on to things. Mm. Uh, this, this. I think this not exactly this idea, but we've seen like uh, in pop culture, like Minority Report. Um, mm. The consciousness, right? Too the um, altered carbon. If you guys watch yeah, that show, yeah. it's just like, and you know, as we move on as a species and how far technology has come, it doesn't shock me that uh, we want to find new ways to preserve loved ones and um, past consciousness. And I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but that doesn't shock me at all. But yes, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. Um, how did they program this virtual little girl? Is it like, uh, this like is, an I, AI that they just like lay a skin over top of? And I looked into this and couldn't find much information on okay. it because I was very curious about that. Like, where did the voice come from? Was this yeah. sampled from a human being? Was it all spoken by a human being? Is it completely um, text-to-speech uh, generated? I don't know, yeah. you know? Um there was definitely a little girl in there. I don't know if they, you know, scanned a human being to model it after mm. or just photos of the of the daughter. Yeah, a, a lot of unanswered questions, especially from me from a tech point of view, because I am yeah. very curious about this stuff. And yeah, I, frankly, I don't know. Because if you don't do it exactly right, yes. yeah. then it's like, uh, that could really be a psyche jarring thing where yeah. it's just like, okay, this creature looks like my dead daughter, but is not reacting and... Uncanny Valley yeah, to the extreme. Yes, I, I find that, oh, that would be like uh, way worse. That would be like a really jarring, horrible thing, I think, for a mother to have to go through is number one if you don't get it just right. So let's pretend they do, they have it just right, though, for the sake of argument here. And I agree, actually, my initial reaction was very similar to what Lambo said there about that. Um, is that like, we're not meant to do this. However, for the sake of argument here... What's the big difference between this and spending, you know, a, an afternoon going through photographs or a photo album or old notes or or things like that from a lost loved one? What's like if because because there's part of me that hears this like we aren't meant to do this. But I see also the other side where it's like, well, this is just a continuation of an, an, and an evolution of technology. So if we have photographs and, you know, you can just look through old text messages and things of a loved one and, and, and be in that place in your mind that, that you're like visiting this person who's gone, then why not also this if it's just a, a more and upgraded technology? Do you know what I mean? Because I just like hear this like, hey, we're not meant to do this. And then I think of like people being like, "Hey, what are you looking at? A photograph? What did you just steal that person's soul?" Right? Mm. That's a very like old timey and regressive way to think about that. So what's the difference? This seems a little more supernatural, doesn't it? Kind of a little bit. I think it's the interactivity because photos don't talk back to you. Yeah, everything. You know, all of our communication to this point has been one way. However, you are correct. That is sort of the evolution of this kind of communication. Right. Um, you know, and to get really freaky outy about it when our sponsor is going to come in and you know uh, and try and have your loved one pitch you a particular brand of underwear for oh my whatever God. right but that yeah. is cynical bud well i'm <laughs> just <laughs> try and see all sides of this sure right and i you know i mean i watched uh, this video a week ago and i've been you know wrote up the my my blurb for the for the geek out and so it's been in my head for quite a while and and yeah some definitely darker thoughts uh, crawl through here just because 
I know from evildoers and stupid shyster scammer types, and right. they, you know, they're they're in here for it. They're You've seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, right? Sure. The VR in yeah. that is incredible, right? Yeah. The, the anodarmous VR. And, yeah. Right. It's, Hello, bye. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I just think that like for it to be a thing that you interact with, I think is a bit much. But um, honestly, like uh, if it's just like a nice garden that you go to and you just can like experience your loved one there, I I do see the argument that it actually is not much different from watching an old videotape or like looking at pictures and then going through old messages or notes. You at this honestly. point, it, you at this point, so as long as the interaction is not there. That's the line for you? I think so, yeah, because yep. when we're talking about programming it in such a way that you can interact with it, I think that like that could really fuck some people up where they like become like addicted to like going yes. back and visiting this garden and like I'd rather live in this VR world where my daughter still is alive if it makes them feel that way. Like that's not good. Another great question from Jason was, who's programming the speech? You know, what what right. this what this kid says. Like cuz right. there has to be some interactivity to it. There has to be some call and response. Right. And Thus, where are these answers coming from? Yeah. But hey, we're cynical here, but if someone needs this to have closure, then if it works for them, great. Right? Right? Well, I don't know. That's the thing. Like the 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 there's some there were some philosophers and doctors who were interviewed for the of uh, the article that I that yeah. I found this with that were just like the is it? Because there's the whole, you know, not addiction, but kind of addiction yeah you know wanting to never leave this kind of area it could prolong the grieving it could Mm -hmm. um you know break your idea of the permanence of death altogether um right yeah it's um interesting ground interesting ground to tread yeah no certainly i I think that you know that interactivity um really is the kind of where the line crosses if you're you know experiencing a hologram or like a vr uh model you know in the same way that you, that you can't interact with, that's just like this is in the past, right? I mean, that's the thing that you do when you look at photographs or whatever it is. Is like, you know, your your brain understands. This You're is reliving the, the memories. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this person is gone. Um, no, I wouldn't. I, and and like personally too, I don't think I would do it even to that level. Even of like just going and experiencing like uh, like of something of the past, let's say, but in a VR, I think it would be like too intense. Mm. Like I don't know if it would help you know that grieving process or if it would like just be very shocking and jarring and like hurtful so i, I don't think, know i think it's all case by case depending on right? every individual's scenario and yeah. their openness to it yeah where is our imagination going right yeah that's that's why oh, i wonder oh, interesting yeah all right then let's switch to 80s cartoons Uh, I just have to bring up, this just hit me, I just remembered this, and I can't remember the exact language, but I believe it is German. I'm going to try to remember to put in the Masters of the Universe intro in German, because uh, anyways, at the time, when I saw this, probably about ten years ago, it was one of the funniest things I had seen. I I don't know why. (laughs) Actually, yes, I think it was German, because I I seem to remember. Ich bin Adam. He-Man und Masters of the Universe. Ich bin Adam, Prinz von Eternia und Verteidiger der Geheimnisse von Schloss Grayskull. Dies ist Gringer, mein furchtloser Freund. Wunderbare Geheimkräfte erschlossen sich mir, als ich eines Tages mein Zauberschwert ausstreckte und sagte, bei der Macht von Grayskull. Ich habe die Kraft! So, anyway. <lacht> 
Anyway, <laughs> Masters of the Universe Revelation, the voice cast has been announced for this Kevin Smith-directed Netflix animated series, which is coming sometime in 2020. Skeletor will be played by... Hang on, before you go into that... Hey, how's it going? Let's just start with this name. Masters of the Universe Revelation. Yeah, it's also it's just a single revelation, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, shit. Terrible. <laughs> it's like, that type of uh, naming is so bad. By that type, you mean colon extra word? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. that really reminds me of all the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation movies, where it's like, Star Trek... Nemesis. Right. Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. It's like, okay, I guess it kind of does speak to what this is about. But it's also it's just like, let's find a cool sounding word and cram it in there. And that'll give right? us edge and whatever. It's like, and what revelation? What's the revelation going to be? And can, like, you carry, gonna... can you carry that through an entire series? Yeah. Because that's what you would have to do. If you're going to name it, like, like the title of a thing is so important. Is there going to be a new revelation every single episode? Like, <laughs> ah, revealed the secret ingredient in Prince Adam's pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Right? <laughs> or somehow it's going to be one big revelation that stretches 13 episodes. Fuck that. I just, like, dumb, <laughs> dumb. I think it's just like... Well, it sounds cool. Revolution? Well, are they spinning? No. Uh, a revelation? Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, what a shitty I don't know. Have you not watched something because of what it was called? I don't know. No, of course not. But yeah. I'm just saying like, it speaks to what's the decision making going on here at a creative level? Mm. That's right. Th again, those Star Trek movies? Oh, shit. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> So Their titles just, were emblematic of a of a deeper problem. That's right. That's yeah. why they quit doing that, right? With the, starting with the 2009 Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. There was no colon because colon spoke to shittiness. Yeah. Transformers: Age of Extinction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. all. It's all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, right, sorry, go on. But the rest of this news is good. The rest of this news is good. Mark Hamill is back in the voice uh, booth as Skeletor. Wow. Mark Hamill's Joker is iconic. Mark Hamill's voice work in general has been fantastic his entire career. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lena Hedy, Hedy. Hang on, Hedy. let's take this one at a time because Mark Hamill okay, is iconic as a Joker. Will this be much different? Will it be different enough and distinct enough that we're not just watching Skeletor be the Joker? Because here's the thing. like mm -hmm. he, The laugh, the Joker laugh is yes. very distinctive, but he uses a very high register. And I mean, if we're going to go back to the original Skeletor, it didn't really crack you know, from that chest voice to that head voice kind right. of thing. So it depends on how, um, I guess, faithful sort of slash imitating he wants to be of the original voice actor compared to whether or not, yeah, it does delve into Joker territory. It's a really good question. Yeah, that's that's my only concern there. But otherwise, I'm excited to, yeah, like you say, he's phenomenally talented in the voice booth, so excited to see what he does there. Because it's a different laugh. And I think that's, I think he is smart enough to, to know that. Yeah. I think that when he went into the Joker, he, like, took all the comic book inspiration, whatever like that, and wanted this, like, maniacal, out of control. Just broken. Right, yeah. yes. And it's just, like, just hilarious laughter um, with actual hilarity, right? Yeah, sure. Because hilarious means so funny that you went insane. Yeah. That's what the laugh of the Joker really sounds like. So I think in the same way, he'll he'll tap into that, like, evil, conniving, sneaky, right, thing of the original Skeletor. I'm excited to see what he does with that. I'm actually going to jump down on. to the very bottom of the list before I get back to Lee. Yes. Uh, Kevin Conroy um, as Merman. Kevin Conroy was... The Batman in in the in the Batman the animated series that uh, he started against Mark Hamill, so that will be interesting. That's another one that the kind of I had the same thought. Where I'm just like, mm, this guy's good as Batman, and he's so Batman's voice 
to the point that like there's been a lot of animated Batman and uh, video games and stuff like that since the animated series in 1992. <laughs> but if it's animated and it's not Kevin Conroy, balls. Sure, it I, sucks. I, I like I like that most of these names on these lists are voice actors, right? Yes, like, bless that, sure. by yeah, the yeah, way. Like we can't just bring in any actor to come in and do voice acting because that's a specific skill. And it's getting lost out there. Yeah, right? and I, I do really like this voice cast because there is a balance of celebrities and yeah. those journeyman voice actors. Yes, um, I'll go back up. Lena, he- is it Hetty or Heedy? It's Heedy. Lena Heedy as as Evil Lynn. Uh, Chris, I don't know who Chris Wood is. Who's Chris Wood? Uh, I looked him up. He's in a he's in a show. He's on a TV show right now. I don't remember. I don't. He's a young ish person. I don't know. I can't <laughs> <laughs> He'll be Prince Adam and He-Man, yeah. which is great. Sarah Michelle Geller will be in as Tila. Mm-hmm. Liam Cunningham as Man at Arms. We saw Liam Cunningham in a movie last night that we just watched. We did? Yeah, he's the... Uh... Oh, is that Sir Davos? Yes, Sir Davos. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that's all right. That's really good. Huh, okay. Yeah. He's good. He's good. He's got a great distinct voice as well. I loved him as Davos, obviously. He was in this ridiculous movie we watched last night (laughs) and he like really carries it and it's that performance and especially that voice performance that's unique to him that would be sweet yeah Henry Rollins will be Triclops right like that's interesting it's amazing I know none of these like I know Skeletor and I know He-Man of course but most of these but you know who Henry Rollins is right like yeah yeah Yeah, okay so Uh, Diedrich Botter is uh, King Randor who's uh, He-Man's dad and Trapjaw and was that a different person? Yeah, it's just it'd different... just be one person playing two roles. But yeah, oh, okay. Trapjaw was just another character in there. He's um uh, one of the he's the dude from um, Drew Carey show. Oh right, not, okay, not okay. Ryan Stiles, but yeah, the yeah. other dude. Yeah, yeah, and he's done actually. I think quite a lot of uh, voice stuff, and he's really good. Alicia Silverstone will be Queen Marlena. Right. Uh, Justin Long as Roboto. I don't know this character, Roboto. I know I, Justin Long. I don't know Roboto, though. Yeah. You know? Venture, I guess. He's some kind of a robot character. Some kind of an <laughs> automaton. Hilariously, Jason Muse as Stinkor. Um, I think that's going to be funny. That's, funny. Of course. Is uh, Stinkor like, something from the original one that we should I know? I don't or? remember. It, maybe it's like a bit part. It's just like, hey, let's just throw <laughs> Jay in there. And, yeah. <laughs> in the Silent Bob show. Yeah. But yeah, Phil Lamar as Hero. There's another uh, journeyman voice actor He's along good. with uh, Cree Summer. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, great low voice on him. Who is that? Kevin Michael Richardson. Um, he's going to be in a lot of bad guy y things. Okay. I will get you his. IMDb there. Mm-hmm. Um, one, while you're doing that, I'll um, just go back here and say Phil Lamar was really funny on Mad TV. Do you remember him as that? No, I knew Phil Lamar as uh, Samurai Jack, um, the yes. voice for that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was on Mad TV. That's awesome. He's in a lot. He's done a lot of voice stuff. But he was, yeah, he was quite funny on. He was on Mad TV. I know it's wild. Oh, Mad he's TV. Just, yeah. Um, I also want to say that Eva Lynn is the dumbest and best name for a character. Always has been. <laughs> it was the it was the eighties, man. It was the eighties, like that. Um, also, one we should like Orko is a kind of an important character as far as He Man goes. Yes, but I don't I don't know who Griffin Newman is. Griffin Newman, I have no idea who that is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'm still looking for a particularly uh, notable Kevin Michael Richardson uh, voice. Haven't found it quite yet, but I will uh, say that uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, will be there in there as Elena, another uh, character I haven't necessarily heard of. But uh, yeah. So sweet. It sounds like they're doing a lot of stuff that we know and love, as well as like being a little bit inventive, just so he can put his pals and daughter in there. Jason Mewes as Stinkor. 
And it's why good. not? We're you all know? paying why a not? shitload for Netflix. So we'll get something else we can watch on Netflix, <laughs> right? Know. Oh, I know, I know. Too much. Netflix, too, too much. much. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was Captain Gantu in Lilo and Stitch. It was a small role, but I remember the voice. Um, sorry. He was Goro in Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was a modern-day Flintstones animated series. I didn't realize that. He was... Uh, um, Barney. He mm-hmm. played the Shredder in the Nickelodeon version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah, like that's his big oh, okay. thing. Okay, yeah. he's Principal Lewis in American Dad. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, he's 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 got a really deep voice, Kevin Michael Richardson. So there's a lot of a lot of villains and bad guys. But yeah, Shredder would probably be the big one. I'm very interested, and especially now that we've seen this cast too. Like, yep. what is going to be this tone of this of this show? Yeah, is it going to be similar to the new Shira reboot, which is like getting rave reviews? Is I it going to be? Like it. You don't like it? I didn't. I not not me. Anyways, like I, I watched yeah. it with my kid with a bu- for for a bunch of minutes. Yeah, it just didn't. Uh, I don't know. Did Didn't your really. kid love it? Not really either. Oh, really? No. I think yeah. it's. I think it's. Uh, anyways, um, but kids are fickle, so yeah. yeah. Um, so is it going to be like that? Is it going to be more like a love letter to the '80s show? Is it going to be similar to the show that came out in the early 2000s, which was like trying to serious up a very silly, stupid thing? You know, like kid to have a, a a Kevin Michael Richardson type, let's say, doing Beast Man. That strikes me as like, no, no, this is going to be like kind of serious. See, and a lot of these names, yeah, are serious actors. However, a lot of them do very comedic roles in what they do. Right. And honestly, like, Kevin Conroy uses the very bottom of his register, and he uses the thing called proximity effect, where mm. you go really in close to the mic kind of thing to get even lower. Okay. So he has a whole bunch of range. We rarely hear from him. And I, would, I think it's just great that these people are going to be able to hopefully act out of the characters that we know them best for. Yeah. So I just think these, these are good actors. And uh, so I would hope, being Kevin Smith, that there's going to be some fan service and love lettery and acknowledgement. Not fourth wall, but like mm. acknowledgement of how cheesy the source material is. Sure, yeah. Hopefully. It's an interesting well to keep going back to because He-Man was just like, God, watch that Toys That Made Us documentary. It's just yeah. it's so clear how yeah. stupid this entire thing is. It was, you know just to make toys and just to like recycle unsold toys you know what i mean like as many cartoons were yeah at that, in that ideas. era that we all grew up with and now they're hardwired baked into right. our brain with with a bunch of nostalgia it's just like i grew up thinking transformers had so much plot and development <laughs> i guess it did but it was really mostly about the toys oh yeah transformers i mean that's even like a good example of doing it well because they designed really great toys. Yeah. He-Man is the opposite example. It was just like, <laughs> we have a leftover tiger. What can we do with it? It didn't sell in the jungle playset. Paint it green. Paint it green. That's where our creativity springs from. I don't yeah. know. So, But there's a mythology to pick out there, so maybe they'll do well. I don't know. Sonic the Hedgehog has had the best opening ever for a video game film. Today is Tuesday, so none of us have seen it. Are you going to see it tonight, Paul? I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. What is it competing with, though? <laughs> yeah, Honestly, that's a good question. Right? That's uh, yeah, yeah, right. Let's see. The uh, Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh, well, let's see. More recently, we had Pixels. Oh, yeah, I guess that counts. Uh, Ready Player One wouldn't really be one, would it? Um, Nor Wreck-It your... Ralph, really. Like, no, not Sort really. of inspired by and including video game characters. Oh, Mortal the Mortal Kombat, Kombat series, Mortal Kombat. yeah. 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 I yeah, was okay. so worried about this movie, like, when it first came out. Oh, I still am. Yeah, but it's getting... 
pretty solid reviews, I think. Is it? I think so. Here's a good list. Resident Evil, which honestly was oh, yeah. a pretty successful franchise yeah. of movies. Tomb Raider as well. Okay, okay. okay yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Prince of Persia, um, Detective Pikachu. Oh. Uh, oh, there was a, a Warcraft movie. There was Doom. Oh, yeah. Remember War- that I one? Doom, Warcraft. sure. Oh, uh, yeah. was terrible. Assassin's Creed sucked. And uh, yeah, so that's, um, there are a lot in there. There are. But uh, none of a whole lot of substance or quality. Not right? particularly. Yeah. yeah oh, they Raider. made a Silent Hill. Right, of course they did, yeah. Oh, and yeah, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. That was depressing as hell. 64% um, on Rotten Tomatoes right now for Sonic the Hedgehog. A solid six. Feels about right. That yeah. exactly feels exactly about right. Because we're just past opening, opening weekend, so mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot of human beings rating, uh, weighing in on that. So I feel like, yeah, it is a bit of a like uh, uh, a desert at the movie theater for a while. People are just like, okay, I'd like to go see a movie now, and everything has been shit for so long. But I just want to go and eat popcorn in the dark. So, okay, let's go and see Sonic. It looks good enough. Jim Carrey's performance is getting actually great reviews. Wonderful. Uh, what, I'm, what I heard is like, Jim Carrey has no business being this good in this piece of shit movie. Wow. Really? And he's so good. He huh. like is committed and, and, and just like carries the entire thing. As well as James Marsden is very likable and very watchable in this movie as well and carries his scenes. I Not hope. a lot of love for Sonic himself, yeah, unfortunately. Sure, sure. Who's the comedian that does his voice that Kirsten's in love with? Oh, I love him too, actually. Yeah. Um, he played Jean Ralphio in Parks and Rec. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, like, as a, as a human being, as, an, as a comedian, as an actor. Uh, what is Just what name? tone does this movie take? That's 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 going to be the biggest it thing about like whether it works or not. Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks ben like Schwartz. it's found a good tone of, like, Fun and silly, but also like it's in real life, but it's kind of, uh, yeah, like it's it's the right tone for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, it feels like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know. I'm so curious. It's, it's a beloved, it's a beloved character. Yes. It is. It absolutely is. I grew up as a Super Mario guy, but I do remember when I was a kid, the first Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon series came out. It was a big deal. It was a huge fucking deal. It was Saturday morning cartoons. It was this massive Rollouts, Jaleel White, TV's Steve Urkel mm-hmm. and Stefan Urkel played Sonic the Hedgehog. It was like that was the voice of him. And I loved it. Like as someone yeah. who didn't even play the video game. Loved it. Me too. It was fun. There's so much you can do with this this character. And I think they have done for a long, long time in the cartoons, right? Like there's been series after series. There's all the little cutesy little characters, tails and knuckles and all these things that people absolutely love. Right, your branch out characters. I think they may have found a good thing to do with this. Uh, are not you watch- a high bar. I get yeah. it again. Like like you're saying, right? It's like yeah. video game movies are shit. They don't make any money. Not a high bar to beat, but so what interesting marketing technique. Are you interested that a lot of it was shot on Vancouver Island? See, I think that's that- honestly going to boost a little bit, a tiny little bit of numbers here is because people, yeah, are going to go and interested to see, you know, where they shot around, uh, I think it was Courtney or something. Yeah, that so. strip in, also that strip in uh, Ladysmith, there's like yeah. some shop work there. Right. Quite a bit. Well, I mean, I grew up in that area, so I, yeah, yeah. I'll see it and I'll notice it, but. But for most of the world, like yeah, 98, no. 99% of people, yeah. they don't give a shit about that. I'm not surprised that uh, Jim Carrey has been, has been getting accolades just because uh-huh. he's he's a great actor, you know? So maybe he's just poured himself into this role, yeah. um, you know, into sort of a two-part uh, role. And James Marston, I've either seen him as sort of like a parody in your Enchanted kind of movie right. or the super serious uh Teddy Flood in, in Westworld kind of thing. Right. Um, or the campy, you know, Cyclops, overacting, you know, in Cyclops in, in the X-Men. I would love to see him have more development than what I'm seeing in 
the trailers for this movie because he right. is a great actor and he's a very funny guy. Besides a Ben Schwartz interview that I'm going to put in, I'm also going to put in a quick interview uh, with uh, James Marsden on Colbert oh. um, where he does a phenomenal uh, impression of, um, oh man, I lost it. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Thank you, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. funny. He's yeah. no Matt Damon, Matthew McConaughey. No, Matt but, Damon's is pretty great. Yeah, too, I, I'm sure. Um, and this is, I think, uh, for Jim Carrey as well, for like guys who grew up and loved you know, his first three movies, like Ace Ventura and The Mask and Dumb and Dumber, or I guess also Cable Guy, whatever. It's like, apparently this is classic Jim Carrey unleashed, like do whatever the fuck you want, be as Ace Ventura as you want in this. Right. Which he hasn't done for a long time, because I don't know if... Yeah, for, for, for a while there, it's like Jim Carrey... Did those like over the top characters, Ace Ventura and the Mask, right? And then I've, I have a feeling he was just like, I don't want to be buried under silly costume and of course you don't and makeup anymore. So he was in all those like Bruce Almighty and uh, I think the Cable Guy was probably a step too far at that point in his yeah, career. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, I think it did balance out with more a lot more of his serious acting. Uh, yeah, but like he was just like he looked like a normal dude. And uh, there was just too much of that. And it's like, he's funny still, sure. even when he's dressed as a normal dude. But that's what Jim Carrey is great at, is like getting into a wacky costume and then like p- performing even through the wacky costume and bringing it to the next level. So this is the first time we've seen him really do that. Or is it like Mr. Popper's Penguins and shit like that, right? That's the kind of comedic roles he's been taking yeah. for like near of a decade. Well, just- that's, that's what I'm wondering about comedy in just gen- in general, yeah. right? Like the way his career has gone is kind of like the way comedy has gone over the right. past little while. And I'm just wondering now, when you're like a studio exec or you're a writer or, uh, you know, responsible for creating any sort of content out there, uh, let's create something good that's comedic. Do you, do you do it thinking about some of these actors like like Jim Carrey and creating something? Like, I, I just wonder because we haven't had a lot of great comedic content over the last mm. decade. There just hasn't been. I think with everything new, you have to borrow from the past a little bit because you don't want to be too new and out there. Mm. And you want to balance that with what you bring to your expectation of it. But I, I, I seem to think that there are trends, you know, in in writing, in music, in, in acting, in all of this stuff. There are trends because people are used to one thing and we don't adapt to change all that well. Right. So I think if it's too extreme... They'll just write you off as being too artsy fartsy. It's a sign um, of the times, though, too, right? And yes. what's politically correct and what's yeah. not. I just yeah, you're right. Today needs more shock. Yeah, I, I think today does need some more shock in media, and I think a lot of people are not interested in taking that risk right now. I think also um, it's like we had a really great time in comedy too, where it's like com- like they, they try to just like hit everybody with it. So you get some great movies that are like. Like Ace Ventura, for example, right? And those two movies and The Mask and stuff is like you try to make them broad enough so they would appeal to like kind of ding-dongs who just wanted to laugh at <laughs> silly stuff. And then they're also like they're well-written and they're kind of smart. And um, as we've seen, everything kind of get really like narrow in its uh, targeting. You saw comedies for a long time. It either was like very stupid, like very stupid, like the scary movie types, right? Mm-hmm. And those that oh, were over the so top, you mean. fucking bad, they were just like, they were for stupid people. They were, they were stupid. <laughs> they weren't well written. The jokes weren't good. They were bad. They were stupid. And then, or your other option was like very highfalutin um, type of like Jason Bateman comedies, which maybe you're a little smarter, but are not funny. It's like, 
And and actually, when you go borderline those, on dark, kind yes, of. yes, definitely. And yeah. when you go to those both extremes, neither of them are funny, not really. So it's like, come on, come on, come back to the middle, happy place in between that, where you know, movies like Old School, where it's like mm-hmm. there's dumb jokes in this, there's like silly slapsticky shitty things. That's like college humor. And there's yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is kind of because it's like. It's juvenile enough to just be silly and funny, but then it's also smart enough to like there's not, you know, total well, ding dongs watching it. Todd Phillips, who did uh, Joker, right? He was the director of that, and he, yeah. you know, he he directed a lot of comedy movies in uh, the turn of the century here with Road Trip, and he, I think he did The Hangover as well. Yeah. Uh, in, God, that's so weird. You right? say the turn of the century, and I can't believe, but it, that's you're right. That's <laughs> 20 years actually ago. only twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, so and, weird. and he did old school and stuff, but mm-hmm. I think he. And I can't get a direct quote from him, but he said it's very difficult to make a, a comedy movie that he would like to make in today's age with all the political correctness and everything. So I think that's that's him being. Do you think lazy. that's being lazy? Yeah, you think, I think that's it is. being. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, yeah. like, was there anything that was like that? That I mean, there was stuff in The Hangover. That's like politically incorrect, but like it would still fly. There's jokes in old school if you go back and watch it and be like, okay, you couldn't tell that joke today. Really? Yeah. So I don't know. Then that maybe just you know you got to be just a little more creative. Anyway, we've and got, actually, yeah. actually, you can still tell those jokes. You just have to tell them in like a non hateful way. That's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like it's, if it comes across as like being hateful, that's when it's going to get targeted by people online who want to like tell you that. You know, you can't take that, or like they get offended or politically correct or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can still tell jokes as long as they're funny and they're not coming from a place of hatred, I feel like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a line, everything in balance. Anyways, right? I'm just yeah. wondering if, you know, we still have people and we have a lot of new talent out there that has the chops to be great, to make great humorous content. And we just really haven't. And yeah. SNL is not really that funny these days either, right? So, well, yeah. let's talk about it. Let's talk about a comedy. Tilda Swinton and Mark Ruffalo are apparently going to star in a television adaptation of Parasite? I didn't know this was happening. Did anybody know this was happening? That is weird. Isn't it? Okay, it's not just me. So, but Mark they, Ruffalo's going to play a Korean guy? And Tilda Swinton, they've got, they've got their Korean names. It's... What? They do? Yes! It's bizarre! This is very, I'm very I'm not odd. understanding. Yeah, now, Parasite was a dark, 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 dark comedy, right? Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the wild thing about it is that, like, it's actually two different movies. It's like, it's kind of a weird comedy to start with, and then it swings into a, like, straight up thriller. Wow. That's what's so wild about this movie. I know Art was disappointed that we didn't talk more about Parasite last week, bud. So, this is just because it had won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But it is great, right? Witness, I had to stand up for much of it because I was so stressed out. Wow! Um, I called it right away. I was like, "That's it. That's the best picture right there." He did call that. Yeah, Um, it is like yeah, very, very uh, engrossing or whatever you want to say about it. Like it just it ran the gamut of all the emotions. It did, and is beautifully made. Beautifully, uh, show though, like. Well, I can an HBO adaptation, HBO TV adaptation with white people. (laughs) Well. That's interesting. So they have the same character names, is that right? That's what it. Lo- I mean, again, we're we're in early times, but yeah. yeah, that's what it like. The quote from New Music Express is: "It was revealed that Mark Ruffalo uh, looks to to sorry looks set to play Kim Kitak in the new adaptation." 
And oh, yeah, yeah. Tilda Swinton will be the female lead, likely to play Chung Sook, uh, which is they're so they're white. I mean, you guys really like wow. Tilda Swinton? I've never been a huge fan of Tilda Swinton. I got a poster of her up on my wall, obviously. <laughs> now, but, uh, <laughs> but no, okay, this can be very interesting. Like, think of Watchmen, right? Think of limited series, miniseries type of yeah. thing that HBO puts out or likes to do. Um, they could do this in an interesting way. Like, it's like that, and it's like. Uh, let's just say it's set in America. So they're saying right now, I think that this article is saying like it's the same characters, but they're going to set it in America and then adapt it for American culture and names. Sure, sure. But same characters. Which, which, because that's the other thing about Parasite. Although it is a very Korean experience, it speaks to very universal. It's a real, um, it's a commentary on social class is what yes. it is. Yes. It's and, a good business decision to adapt it to the West, I guess. Right, yeah. And maybe they, and, and I could see Mark Ruffalo too, knowing what I do about him and like what he feels passionately about him politics i could see him being like okay there's a lot of people in north america who just aren't going to watch this movie because it's in korean so let's adapt it because the message is so powerful and it speaks to anyone who's living um in a capitalist society Mm -hmm. that uh those characters yes very very korean the experience was korean when you're watching it but it's so relatable uh, in a North American uh, v- version as well, that I don't, I don't see why they couldn't do this. But if it's set in America, then why is it a Korean? Why is he playing a Korean guy? Well, maybe he's not though. Maybe they're just gonna like. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that's the same characters, yeah. same plot and everything, and then they just change the names and adapted for America when they get here. Yeah. So like for now, they still are calling them by their Korean character names, but then they're gonna change that to. Johnny Unitas or whatever, and that's a good that's a good point about uh, Mark Ruffalo and his he's very political. That, yeah. that that makes a lot of sense there, and there is a message, a real Huge. message in that uh, Parasite movie. What have you seen, Parasite? I have not. I'm very very interested in. It. I, I kind of want to see 1917 first, and then I want to see Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I'll then we'll wait for this TV adaptation, and we'll wait for hashtag Whitewash to trend again on. Mm. on the, oh, on do you I feel don't like know. That I don't. I mean, I hope not. I hope not. I hope there will be enough interest in it. To uh, you know, to accept it as what it is, but well, uh, there will be that that segment. You're right, but you know, do it like The Office, make a different version with yes. the same thing for every country in the world. You know what? That would be fantastic. I would love that because, like, The Office is universally recognizable: yep. the shitty boss and the dumb coworker and the guy who looks at the camera who's a crush on the receptionist. <laughs> that happens in every office around the world. I understand that. So true. So too is this universally relatable. Uh, let's talk about the teeny tiny itty bitty little, what, 30 second teaser we got for Stranger Things season four? Oh, spoiler alert. Did you watch the end of the last, <laughs> the last Stranger Things? Kirsten ruined it for me so thoroughly. And I was going to say, did you not watch it because Kirsten spoiled it for you? Yes. Because you walked in the room when we were talking about it. No, I am not. Okay, we're this is ancient history, but like. <laughs> It's Kirsten's fault. She didn't give me an opportunity to say, hey, I haven't finished it yet. She just blurted out the biggest spoiler. Give me a break about that. That's my own fault. I hear that clip back on the best of, and I was so mad at all of you for saying that that was my fault. Caleb Kirby especially. He was so harsh to me. What did I ever do to you, Kirby? Jeez, he doesn't listen to this. But anyways. Mary. Hello, everyone. This is a spoiler alert. Thank you. Just in case you haven't seen it. Go ahead. Yeah, Kirsten blurted out to me that that guy died in the movie. Hopper. So then I saw, now everyone is expected to have watched it, and uh, the articles are like, Hopper, back from the dead. It's like, hey, 
Hey, it's in the headlines. Yeah, it's in, in the headlines. headlines. Yeah, it's too much. Well, like Parasite, there looks like they're going international here, right? Yeah, this is set in Russia. Set in Russia. Where um, David Harbour is just playing his Alexei Shostakov character from Black Widow, <laughs> oh, that's right? Good. That's right? Good. No, that's good. No, that's no, good. No. That's good. And this this teaser is very, uh, yeah, very teaserish. It's just it yes, looks I, like I, it I, looks I, like he's in some in some camp. Yeah, concentration like a, it's like camp. A chain gang, basically. Yeah. Russian, you yeah. know, modern day Russian chain gang. Yeah, and he's working on it. And then he takes his hat off, and it's him. How many strange things can happen? How many? Well, you know what? Here's the thing: we're breaking out of Hawkins Cheesies or uh, yeah. Hawkins, Indiana, and now we're in Russia somehow. And yet, in the in the quick bio line straight from Netflix, they they refer to him as you know American. Our, our favorite American is in Russia mm-hmm. and uh, we don't know why. So, so the whole story of Stranger Things is very much a coming of age story right yeah. from first season. So are we going to see in this next season are Will and Eleven getting married? Is that, is that what's going right, to happen? Yeah, right? Because like, the, they're all getting older. They're not kids anymore, right? No. no. Uh, and, and I'm I pretty thought, sure I saw on the cast list it is yeah, much of everybody of Much the of everybody's cast, back. So. Why not? It's very popular. Yeah. Uh, and last season was good too even though I had my you know reservations about how many strange things could happen <laughs> uh so yeah I, moving to another place very smart we all thought that harbor and we all guessed it i think if you will like listen to the last uh the last time we talked about stranger things that a hopper was not dead i think it was pretty clear he was not dead so be interesting if we're getting the exact same hopper uh, they're going to stage a. Good how are we question. Gonna get Hopper, right? Is it the exact same Hopper, or is it just David Harbour playing a pod person version of him? I don't know. And I'm so when's this supposed to come out? Oh, twenty twenty. Yeah, all we have is the year, which is this year, which is yeah. twenty twenty. We don't know. A, we don't know a date on it yet. So right around renewal time. Probably. Right around renewal. Well, honestly, yeah, because I, I think most of the other ones have been around September, October, Halloweenish kind of thing. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they're shooting for. Because I mean, keep the crew and uh, actors on the same kind of schedule. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll ask you the question: Are you stoked for more Stranger Things, or do you think it has played its course? <laughs> not, not particularly, you know. Yeah, like, not, I'll, yeah, okay. I'll yeah. watch it. It's not like a top of the list thing to me to you know be fully caught up on Stranger Things. But you know, if I run out of things, other things. Like it just seemed when it first came out, the very first season was like that was like a one-off. It must could have been watch. just yes. fine, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, a must-watch one-off. But here yeah. we are going into season four. Yeah, what more are we going to see? I don't care anymore. Yeah. I am there with you. you. Are, yeah, there how you many strange things gonna happen? It's <laughs> I don't know if it's that feeling, but it's like I don't know. It's completely fell off. The interest level for me has fell off. Um, even the second series, it was like, okay, we were alien in the first series, and now we're aliens. I was like, well, now what are you? It's just the same shit over and over again. I don't know. I, yeah, it's moving too slowly for me. It's not doesn't have my interest anymore, and that's such a shame because I really did love season one. I have a no binge rule. I broke it for Stranger Things season one. Well, strong start, super strong start, super strong. Well, now this- it's just another fucking show. Yeah, is this? But this was back in the heyday. This is one of Netflix's babies, right? Truth, yeah. When at the beginning, like, oh wow, Netflix is coming out with just such great content, and this was at the top of the list, right? Yeah. And now they're just continuing to hammer it. The last three seasons were good, though. Like all three seasons were good. It so were, yes. Yeah. No, you're right. And you know the new cast they brought in, like Uma Thur- Thurman's daughter and everything. I found very 
yeah. lovely and enjoyable yeah. and watchable. But but still, I would love to see the graph and not Netflix bullshitting us and being like, Stranger Things is the most watched thing ever. It it uh, <laughs> is twice what people amount of people watched the season finale of MASH <laughs> and uh, three times the Johnny Carson finale. Um, uh, everyone loves Stranger Things more than they love their family. Yeah. It's like, bullshit, show us the pornography hub quarters uh, dot com the yeah. the, the uh, graph that shows how many people have watched this shit. Yeah. B- you cowards, Netflix. Yeah, you can't just keep going back to the well. And at some point, it's gonna break. That's right. Here we go. I want to hear your impressions, Paul, about Billie Eilish's "No Time to Die" song from the new James Bond movie. Very boring. Mm-hmm. Very disappointing. I, I'm so sorry to say. I thought your parallel to like listen to this and then listen to Skyfall, like yeah. another recent modern artist, um, uh, like Adele, did that track for for that movie. Yeah, I mean, I can and I can recall Skyfall immediately. Sure, you know, yes. and I saw that movie once, heard <laughs> the song a few times, but it's just that good. It's just it is it is as you say the balance between the artist mm-hmm. and the film, mm-hmm. and this kind of seems to be neither. Yeah, like it's really a weird like. It's a normal delivery for a normal human being, sure. but for Billie Eilish, it's a pretty weird delivery. It's very conventional and. I don't know. Maybe it's just like she had the opportunity to be part of something so big and epic that she's like, follow all the rules. Okay, I'll do that. You know, right. rather than being her cool, creepy self. Yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't really work. And you know what? Listen, you can follow the rules and still make a really good song. And she didn't do that either. And um, it's really, really disappointing. And look, at I'm on record. I think on this podcast multiple times being excited. So maybe I built it up, but I don't even think so. It's just like... It's not a good Bond song, and it's not a good representation of what Billie Eilish can do. I'm I was so sad to hear it. It's it's boring. It takes forever to get going. It's like it doesn't have any like the best Bond th- theme songs really take advantage of you know what they can pull from that um, original uh, John was it John Barry that orchestral oh, the composer yeah yeah that theme you know it's like you can work that into it skyfall does it beautifully um and other uh big um the jack white alicia keys uh another way to die does it really beautifully like there's so many good and those are just modern examples versus when you go back and you listen to anything shirley bassey did if you listen to the thunderball theme song um look at there's a lot of kill which is the best one why is everyone saying this? <laughs> and they say it like with a straight face. Are you serious when you say that? Yeah, we've I love it. Shot- Duran Duran, view to a kill. It's memorable. I'll give it that. Dun, I, it, dun, it, dun, dun. it was very of its time. It was yeah. very of that artist and very of that time. I don't particularly think it holds up. No. And I, I'm going to go on a little rant here, okay? Because oh, this, this is just how I feel about the new James Bond movies. And this kind of just... I don't know if it falls in line with it, but since Daniel Craig has taken over, and I love Daniel Craig, and oh, I said that right. out of Knives Out and everything I know like coming. that, yeah. I just, these movies, when this run is over, I'm going to remember 
maybe Skyfall and the first one. Yeah. Every other one is just falls in line. I don't remember. Like I can't. I have a hard time remembering one from the other, and it just. It, it doesn't stand out to me because I, I wish we could just go back to a James Bond where it's a whole new adventure set in a whole different. Po- I mean, yeah, they do move quite a bit in these movies, but like just like give us a new movie, give us a new director, give us a new something different. It just and it a change seems, of mood, right? Yeah, a change of mood. Exactly. Yeah. Dark. These, yeah. These are very dark. And I just and I understand that's like the style that Daniel Craig is James Bond. I just it just they all seem so the same note and it didn't used to be like that so and maybe that's just me getting older and being more i don't know cynical i just i just think i would like to have a james bond be completely different and all these movies like with blended storylines and it just uh, it's all running together it just it doesn't stand out to me and the song no time to die it doesn't stand out listening to it they're not perfect but i think that you know, once this one is out and done and hopefully wraps up Daniel Craig's time as Bond. Which is too bad because nice I way. like Daniel Craig sure, and yeah. these action sequences that they are shooting are incredible. Yeah. They're all great, polished movies, but they all look the fucking same. Mm-hmm. I know. I think that they all stand out as their own little – like every Bond almost has like a little – you know, it's like that's their era. And I think that – Daniel Craig's era, as I agree with what you're saying, but I think that his will stand out as one of the better ones. It probably, yeah, it you know? will, it will, yeah. and he, it, I, and but just for me, I'm not. I have a hard time remembering uh, Quantum of Solace, and like mm-hmm. I, I can't, like I'll go back and like pick scenes out of that movie, I guess, but that's like I don't remember it as a singular movie. Nah, it was a weaker one right? for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. And Spectre, and I'm just like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll agree with you. Yeah, Skyfall was like has been the standout of yeah. this run yeah. of James Bond. And the first one, because I thought the first one was so unique Casino compared Royale. to the old ones. Yeah, yeah, it felt like a real reboot. Sure, fair enough. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then it's, I guess it's just difficult to to keep doing that. I keep, you know, it's just, it felt so different, I think, at the time, is what we were like, oh, wow. Yeah. And you now know? it's just like bigger stunts, bigger car chases, yeah. bigger risk, bigger, yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah, don't make us Fast and the Furious here with the James Bond movies, right? You yeah. don't have to one-up the car chase scene from the last movie just make a different movie yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go because i wonder if the correction if the course correction will be back to you know kind of a wackiness and an over the top and i kind of hope it is you know like yeah we've that's right we've been here with like a very serious stern bond for a long time let's maybe go back to the quips for a bit i don't know maybe or just give it a break or explore a different character in the universe just say you know what i mean if you want to keep going um um What's your name? Broccoli, the owner of the rights to Bond, um, is on record. She said a really good thing a couple of weeks ago about people were like, how about a girl James Bond? And she's like, no, that's stupid because women are more interesting than that. You don't just you know, change your name to Jane Bond and keep doing the same shit. You do new stories with new female characters if that's what you want to do. Interesting. So if they want to explore that a little bit, you know, like, I think this new 007 in No Time to Die, she'll end up dead by the end of this movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like, hey, maybe we talk about a 008 now who is a really cool female spy. Let's tell her story. Uh, there's Maybe there's something else to do. Maybe we've done James Bond enough. We can do something else for a little while in the same universe while we put Bond on the back burner. Yeah, I'm just getting tired of um, complaining about it, so I just hope they change it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about action sequences. If this is what we think it is, holy smokes, this is kind of neat. Um, filming in San Francisco, people jumping off freaking skyscrapers What's on cables. The Matrix 4, apparently. Oh, oh, really? And look at that. I mean, look at the cape. It's got wow. to be. Um, with this kind of set and, and what they're doing, it's just this one little clip that we saw from some other high-rise in San Francisco, but... Uh, that's exciting. That is exciting. Pretty darn cool. People yeah. run, 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 jump and fly and on cables over the... Imagine that's your job. Imagine your job is to jump off skyscrapers. So when the first Matrix came out... Yeah. Like it was, it was, 1999. Yeah, and I remember yeah. getting out of that movie thinking, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I remember thinking that. I don't know how old I was. You were a lot of teenage boys, like I think. Yeah, yeah, a lot of teenage boys <laughs> thinking the same way, yeah. But it was like, it was ahead of its time with CGI and everything, Huge. right? Mm-hmm. Bullet time, they pioneered a whole new whole new thing, which totally got over overdone in Gap commercials and various Yeah, other but now, so here we are, where we are with CGI and what we can do now. They really must be feeling the pressure to be ahead of the time with this next movie coming out, right? I'm, I'm very curious to know where it goes because um, the Matrix, like I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Matrix, yeah. and the Matrix, uh, the Bourne series, and Tron Legacy are the yeah. only movies that I will not watch on a computer. I need to watch them on my like quote unquote home theater system mm-hmm. uh, with the nice bass and everything. And I've watched through. I've got this massive collection of Matrix Blu-rays and all the behind the scenes things and whatnot that they did and. While in the Matrix uh, Reloaded, you had a few sort of CG-looking-ish things, like with the Smith jumping on the car Mm. and everything. It did look a little hokey. The Smith was the only thing that was CG in that scene. Everything else, like, oh, was real. Like, yeah. that, was, that was one of the greatest parts about watching the whole thing about that highway chase scene. They built the flipping highway. Yeah. They had this car with an imploding hood, you know, that then got cannon off the back of it to flip and everything. The only thing that wasn't there was that character right. of, of Agent Smith. They did things very practically in those movies. And so, yeah, I would love to think... I don't even know if Joel Silver is part of this, because I think he was a big push of this. And we only have one of the Wachowskis now. But I would love to think that they will try to... Keep things as practical, you know, that much balance uh, as they did in the previous movies, because I really think that helps set it apart. Yeah. I agree. They tried to walk a balance. I feel like there was a lot of CGI stuff in. There would have to be. Sure, yeah. Like, um, and it hasn't aged well. Like that fight between the first night fight between Neo and all the Smiths. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, boy, yeah, that yeah. was not so good. But it, it, uh, no, it wasn't at the time either. But, but it was at the time probably state of the art. Sure. Right, sure. and so if they just keep doing that, great blend of state of the art CGI and the top notch, well choreographed, uh, well cabled, um, uh, practical effects, I'm sure it'll be great. Fingers crossed. Um, we had what ten, fifteen seconds of uh, the bat suit yeah. from the new The Batman, and. Uh, what did what did uh, Brian say? Here's a, here's a clip of the new Daredevil. Or I mean Batman. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very. Um, it does look like Daredevil. Very, very much. red. Yeah. Yeah. Just oh. a camera test from uh, Matt Reeves, uh, and yeah, it's uh, again very red. And but this is all we see early days and whatnot. And and Daredevil is very much, I think, kind of the Marvel version of Batman. Yeah. Kind, yeah. In a way, so yeah. makes sense. Uh, 
Uh, why is his bat symbol made out of like? Uh, I had a thought on this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, okay, let's say what it's made out of first. Like, sure. I'm just going to get uh, into like focus scrap metal and shit. Like, yeah, it looks what like is with that? the actual bat emblem looks like it is made out of components of lots of different little things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much like these are two detachable weapons, like multifunction oh. weapons that are closer possibly than the utility belt. Yeah. But I guarantee you both of these things are going to get. They look like guns, but Batman has never been a gun user. Right. Um, but I'm sure these are, you know, these are whatever, two, two split batarangs or, or whatever. But uh, I. I think I like it. It's a really neat idea. It's got a very industrial, yep. homemade, riveted look to it. Mm-hmm. That was honestly, I think that was sort of the focus of this uh, of this costume test. But um, I liked that part very well. Yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah, you see uh, the shoulder pauldrons and the cape and the yeah. mask and the scowl. He's got a little bit of a like a, um, a collar on the cape, which is an interesting new thing. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> First time that we've seen mm-hmm. that. So yeah, it's a it's a, an interesting look. Yeah, I'm interested uh, for this movie, even though I don't think we need another Batman movie right away. I, no. uh, Matt Reeves, uh, I'm pretty sure he did the uh, the reboot of the X-Men, right? First Class? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was very well received, So, and I enjoyed it. So if he could do the same kind of thing to kind of revive the Batman brand, I think that uh, that could be a good thing. Obviously, um, it needs it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look like a, a good, interesting bat suit. I mean, that's the story here is that we kind of see a bat suit. <laughs> and uh, I remember there was a lot of hype for Ben Affleck's bat suit because it was very, like, it felt straight out of a comic book and whatever like that. But I don't have any, mm, I mean, it was fine. Actually, it was it was fun to watch and everything. But the best bat suit that I keep going back to is that um, uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises bat suit, different from the Batman Begins bat suit, which is probably the worst one. But uh, it was the worst one. He couldn't move his. He couldn't move his uh, head or his it, neck. It made him like look like he had no neck. It was awful. <laughs> Whereas like the the Dark Knight bat suit, it looks like what it's supposed to look like, which is like a military. I love that backstory. Yeah, right. Like this is an actual um, suit, like a combat mission suit. Uh, that was made for maximum move mobility and everything, and then the the helmet, the cowl that looked like a fucking motorcycle helmet because that's what it was supposed to be, you know. With it just happened to have bad ears on it, that was unfucking believable. And then of course the cape, the way that that you know whole story about it being right, the, you, you you electrify, you send you send an electric current through it, yeah. and it remembers that outstretched pose, and then you you take the current out and it just back to fabric again. Made Brilliant sense stuff. for a guy like a vigilante, even you know like an adult man, to be wearing a cape around in yeah. in the modern age. So oh fuck, it that's such a good looking suit. It, it like it it just looks good. It, well, that's it, the suit it, you would want to wear. It had good development in a backstory. It yes, was a character unto itself. The yeah. the fact that they got a shipment of these cowls that broke and they had to like that's so manufacturer problem that's such a real world thing very relatable I loved how um, down to earth that part of it was me too and I just hope that we don't have to have another like a a half a movie about building the suit fair okay and and why and why and why we get it we get it you got a suit (laughs) we get it and that was the thing about Chris Nolan's Batman that was, again, so good, is, like, everything was thought through. It was, like, why did it make sense for this, ex- even an eccentric billionaire, to be dressing like a bat? That was all thought of. There was a mythos and everything behind that, and a, and a pathos, even, right, about becoming a legend and becoming something that gets talked about, which is, you know, all goes back to the original comics. So many Batmans just don't have that. Huh, fuck you, he's Batman, that's why. Right, <laughs> right? We've, had it. we've had the Avengers story. We've, you know, we've, or, sir, we've had the... 
We've had that story of the origin, the origin story, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So many we don't need it. Stories. We don't need it. Yeah. yeah. So, interested. Can't wait to see what's done with it. I'm cautiously optimistic. Tiny, tiny tie-in, because you mentioned Avengers. Mm-hmm. Avengers Endgame was apparently the first film to hold the title of highest-grossing movie of all time. <laughs> right. And not win an Academy Award. Art. Are you mad about this? Because Art wanted that 10th spot on the Oscar-nominated Best Pictures movies Cause you to can't, be the Avengers Endgame. You can't, you can't tell me, and I'm going to... Here, I'm going to go off here. <laughs> you can't tell me that Marriage Story mm. or Little Women... <laughs> were better works of achievement in movie making than Avengers Endgame. You cannot tell me that with a straight face. I'm going to have to ask you the question that was posed before, which is, does Avengers Endgame stand on its own, or did it need not only Infinity War, yes. but all the 20-some-odd movies before it to be the achievement that it was? And that's the best argument that anybody has okay. come to me with on this. Fair enough. Um, and I and I have seen articles out there that you that you can watch, you can watch it. It won't Endgame. be as good. Yeah, Endgame. Yeah, and, and let it be a single singular movie. Now I've never met the, that, those people. Yeah, I was going to say that seems to you're me, crazy. That's you're crazy order. to do that. I just you know what they just had to find. Um, yes, you know what you can't cry for Avengers Endgame because it's the highest grossing film of all time. Like that's 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 huge enough as it is, but it was just it was such an achievement, and we've done this on this podcast, guys, for for a couple for a year now. We've we've come out here and we've played apologists to to Game of Thrones to to uh, to other movies about why things don't work mm-hmm. because of all the commercial things that have to be done. Avengers Endgame. Those last two Avengers movies, you know, stopping, stopping this trilogy, the uh, Infinity War trilogy, or not trilogy, but like the whole run, the Infinity Saga, yeah, the, the saga, sorry, the saga, and how it was able to make it work, mm. like that is such a such an achievement, guys. I just think that Oscars should have found a way to. To celebrate that. Well, it's like that token Return of the King award, right? Like, didn't uh, right. Lord of the Rings Return of the King get... I mean, of all the three of the movies, Return of the King... And, you know, it? Paul can, like, yell and scream at me about how, oh, I, I could be in there acting. I'm like, <laughs> no! <laughs> you know, it's hard. To, like, yes, there's a, there's a lot of CGI in moments that make that movie, but it's still an achievement to make the Hulk look the way he does. You know, make all these things work. What movie won this year for uh, best uh, effects, best visual? I think effects? it was because uh, that's where it maybe should have. No, the movie that won it was fine. Nineteen seventy. Best visual effects was nineteen seventeen. Right. Okay. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was its chance to win an Oscar. Um, we're, we're talking about. I mean, you're making the case still that it should have been nominated for Best Picture, which it certainly was not going to win. But yeah, like, as a token and I'm not saying it should win Best Picture. I'm, I'm just saying what an achievement that they I think did. That you that know what I think maybe happened. Do. The better achievement was Infinity War. That was a a better movie, a better yeah. put together movie. Yeah. 
And so that movie was, could stand by itself, I think. Yes, except yeah, for hundred percent, except yeah. for that's got a fucking cliffhanger ending. Yeah, but here's so, the thing. Remember me at two a.m. texting Brian and Darren saying, "What the frick?" You just thought they because uh, I just I, I had no I <laughs> right. did not it wasn't fully yeah mm-hmm. I didn't compute for me. Okay, and uh, yeah, but, I mean, and, I and if you go and you watch game Avengers Endgame, there's. There, there's a lot of humanistic storylines. It's not just a movie about an alien trying to kill everybody. Like, you know, there's PTSD with Thor. There's, mm-hmm. you know, regret and loss and how mm-hmm. you deal with that. And there's there's a lot of... And that's why people enjoy these movies, these Avengers movies. It's not just action adventure. It's There are human storylines in I these agree. movies, which, yeah. you know, just like marriage story just like you know just like little women there, there are themes in here that are very prevalent to our everyday lives so no. i just hate how they just paint it with one brush you know action adventure it doesn't nope 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 it's not real i think if but they didn't could, black panther got nominated the year but that before. got nominated because of political reasons Ooh, strong words yeah i think it did if i think we're talking the nuts and bolts of it this is basically a part two if yeah. the if 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 in um, Infinity War and Endgame were one movie, yes. one self-contained movie, I think it would have been no question to at least. Well, then get a why not? Because you couldn't watch Return of the King as just a singular movie again. Because, probably it. Go ahead. Well, I think that you know Return of the King uh, also is of the same quality as the two movies previous, and I think the consensus was that Infinity War was a a great movie and a well put together movie if you're going to give it to one of those movies mm-hmm. you know you give it to that one although it got but, less on the tomato meter than Endgame actually which is interesting because yeah. Endgame is a not as good a movie as Infinity War they work yes obviously together as a one a part one and a part but two of the same story but it's achievement of pulling together all these characters after 20 plus movies and having a landing that everybody was happy with yeah. is in- absolutely we've never seen that in movie history i know but absolutely movie, incredible i know and i i understand that and I, it, we've said it time and again here it's what and especially the human element that you talk about is what sets it apart from its competitors in the superhero or action adventure uh genre but i think like as a whole i think the consensus was that i'm not making this argument like for myself i'm just telling you i this is what i think is what the thinking was generally around this that uh, Infinity War was the better movie, but we'll wait to Endgame to give the whole thing maybe a nom if we're going to. And then Endgame didn't live up to that level of quality, so you can't give it a token. Return of the King got the token for the entire trilogy, but it was as good as any other one of those other parts. In Endgame, as much as you love it, as much as it stuck the landing we all love, it is not as a high quality of a movie as Infinity War or some of the others. Fair enough, fair that. enough. But That's if you go, if you go and watch those two movies back to back, and it's a long time, it yeah. is one movie. Of course, it is. It's Absolutely. One movie. Of course. Absolutely, just the way Lord of the Rings is yeah. one movie. Yeah. I agree with exactly. you, but so. that's you can only give it to one picture. I just yeah. wish I'd known that at two a.m. that day when I finished. I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm not asking for it to win. I like. I'm sorry, but some of those movies that were nominated this year for Best Picture over Endgame is just makes my blood boil. All right, well, back to this actual article about it getting skunked, you know, in terms of awards. Where do you get, if not Best Picture Art... Create an action-adventure whatever. Right? Because there's so many (laughs) action-adventure movies being made. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the ones that do exist, for for the Oscar awards that do exist, what category should it have won in? If not, if it gets beat by 1917... 
in visual effects, where else do you give it an award? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Adapted right. screenplay, maybe? That's actually not a bad idea. That is a really well-written screenplay. A lot of moving parts yeah. that was adapted from another Didn't, work. Isn't that what Jojo Rabbit won, though? Can isn't we take uh, yeah. won that? Yeah, it's yeah. not going to win over that. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Everything at this Oscars just showed the quality and the amount of good quality movies that came out this year. This an, was, an embarrassment of riches. Lucky thing to have. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was the best. So I just think that when that's happening... Uh, unfortunately for these old Scorsese types, <laughs> there's not enough room on that list to grant a superhero movie a, I don't know, a, I just, a nomination. I like oh, all. I like all movies, Evidently. guys. I like every genre. Let's sure. just give every genre as much credit as other genres. Okay, I'm just sick and tired of that. Yeah. Washing. Yeah. It's movie racism. All right, let's move on. Genreism. Let's move on. Indiana Jones Indiana Jones 5 is going to be filming this spring. Do we care? No! Okay. Oh, God. Oh, you just let him die. No, What? Is it Harrison Ford going to be in it? Yes, he's the one who revealed that it was been shooting. They've been. He says he's been trying to do it for a while. Okay, let's not... I don't even want to... Because we have no more information about it. How fun for him. I have seen him talk about how he's been enjoying this going back to these classic characters, which is... Kind of off brand for him because usually he's just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I've been in one and a half Star Wars, just kill Han Solo. I'm sick of this. <laughs> so it's interesting that he's enjoying going back and playing these guys all these years later. I, I don't really understand it. Not a reboot, but a continuation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, does Shia LaBeouf have to be in it this time? Oh God, I, I would not. say no. Avoid that trap where it's like we got to have a. A young torch pass. A young torch pass. Yeah. yeah, that sucks so much. Just let's see old Indy get the shit kicked out of him for an hour and a half. That's all I want. I want. It's like all Indiana Jones is is the charisma of Harrison Ford in these action adventures. That's what makes it special. So this is news to me. It was originally supposed to come out last July. Then it was pushed back to this July, and now it is next July 9th, twenty twenty one. I had no idea it was that concrete. Yeah, it just goes to pushing more content, more content, more content. Not having any new ideas. Why can't? Why can't we just let things be good in the past? It's okay. It's okay, guys. All right, there's a Frozen Land coming to Disneyland Paris in two years. do you care about that? It looks sweet, I guess. It looks pretty uh, it looks interesting. really nice. Yeah. I almost watched Frozen. I haven't seen it yet. I almost watched Frozen. Yeah. What a great line. Honestly, <laughs> I was really hung over yesterday, and I was it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I haven't seen this movie. It's on Disney+. Plus. And then I started watching it, and I was like, you know what? I feel really weird just watching this by myself. So I, <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's my Frozen so story. I had to do a little to... soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> I was I questioning my existence <laughs> yesterday. Uh, brought some sports instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's silly. Just watch a cartoon if you like a cartoon. Doesn't yeah. make it gay art. Come on. Um, but uh, I went looking for Frozen 2 this weekend. I thought for sure it'd be on Disney Plus and it ain't. Oh, it's not there yet. Did you try Netflix? I'm wondering where the contracts were with that. Yes. Or actually, maybe it's that's not even out long enough. Yeah, to I don't be think it's out yet. yet. It's on iTunes. That's what made me think of it. I saw my Apple TV was like eh, licensing. Frozen too. It's yeah. all licensing. So I'm sure it'll come to Disney Plus soon. I, look at Frozen sucks. By the way, does oh, it really? Yeah, watch it to get it under your belt or whatever. But like, just know that it's a it's the one of the worst ones I think. But I don't know. You like Emperor's New Groove, so what do I know? Hey, Emperor's New Groove was a fantastic film. Boring. Oh my god. One You're, of the, one of the no, least good ones. No, no. I will fight you right now. Yeah, bad, I'll, bad comedy. That might be one of the worst. 
worst YouTube. things you've ever said. <laughs> Good. Bro- broken opinion, Paul. What about Moana? Have you seen that yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking rad. I love Moana. It's fine. <laughs> fucking it's fine. rad. Moana's, Moana's fine. fucking blows Frozen out of the water. Wow. Everything oh. about it. Oh, okay. Music. The story, everything, the facts, everything, everything, everything. Yeah. Moana. Let's go back to 10, the Zones Music Department for a minute. Hmm? Brian's job, the job of any music director, is the last job in the world that I would ever want to have because okay. somebody's favorite song movie yes. in the entire world <laughs> is the same song that someone else would rather stick forks into their ears than hear one more time. Yes. You know, that yes. is a war you cannot win. No. And it's the same with movies. So let's talk about a Millennium Falcon bouncy castle. Okay, so this is something you would find in Kirsten and Johnny James's backyard. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It looks like a lot of fun. If you've been to their house or not been to their house, you have to go see it because their house, it's like... Also, Kirsten has rented... Kristen has rented bouncy things, inflatables, for her birthday parties yeah. as a 30 something before. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a 15 year old decorated their house. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It is. And it's amazing. That, it's exactly who this is for. This is such a classic, <laughs> like, Kristen and Johnny, childless, <laughs> disposable income, evidently. Yeah. Right. Dual income, no kids. Yeah. Nerds and fans of crazy baloney like this. They are who are going to spend $9,495 US dollars to have a bouncy Millennium Falcon ho- bounce house for me to forget to not take my keys out of my pocket. <laughs> and then puncture. And puncture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kirsten. Don't invite me to your birthday party. There was also this other one, this more like, and we see this, we see this kind of thing at like f- school fun fairs and whatnot, where you start at one end and you're jumping and you're sliding and you're running through and it's sort uh-huh. of like a running obstacle course inflatable thing where it's Adats, which is kind of cool. There's mm-hmm. a tiny Millennium Falcon on the top of the first slide, yeah, yeah. and then you're running underneath Adat legs, which oh, is okay. neat. So yeah, this this was the kind of research that we got into this week, <laughs> and uh, this one is almost half the price at uh, five thousand seven hundred ninety-five United States. Dollars. Save your pennies, Johnny Kirsten. Silly things. Silly things on the Zones Geek Out podcast. Does anyone have anything else to this, say? That's for like schools and places to buy carnivals and like that to buy, right? And they rent them out? Yes. People aren't buying these. We don't go I that far. I, I hope not. not. Yeah, no. <laughs> Any reviews and recommendations this week? Is there anything else oh, we geez. can make out of the Millennium Falcon, really? It's like, I love it as well, my favorite spaceship, but come on. Everything... Now you can buy a house that looks like a Millennium Falcon and just live inside of it forever. That well, would be actually is, quite sweet, actually. It is arguably <laughs> the second or first best character in Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon. Mm. Right? Is a character unto itself. Yeah. Interesting. You know what do you think? Good argument. Good yeah, argument. Wow. Any reviews and recommendations this week, friends? Picard's heating up. I missed this. I not missed, but I haven't gotten around. It's been it was been a crazy family day weekend, so mm. I haven't seen it yet. But I'm looking forward to it. The expanse, the expanse, the expanse. People, if you aren't watching this show, watch it. It is. It's Game of Thrones in space. It's, nice. Yeah. It's oh, really, really sure. good. It's guys. on my list. I've been very much wanting to get around to it. The expanse is what I feel like Star Trek is trying to be right now, and shouldn't. Star Trek should give it the fuck up. And let the expanse be the sci-fi. Let's, let's Star Trek like, be what it is wow. in the past. Yes. Yeah, okay. And if you're not going to do Star Trek right, like I've been yelling about for three weeks now, the like beautiful utopian vision of the future and exploration, and then let the expanse do this like grittier, more you know grounded, more maybe even dystopian future thing. Okay, because this is what I'm hearing is it's so good. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. One point that I haven't made about Picard yet is um, it's doing like politics as a metaphor through sci-fi in a shitty way. Well, which is kind of Star Trek always did that, right? Yeah, but in a shitty way. Oh, I see. This is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Of course, they always did do that, right? But they did it well. Before. They they did it really well, and it always came from outside of the Federation and uh, Starfleet. So right. Starfleet could be the utopia and the Federation, right? No racism existed, and then from outside of that, you have other worlds who were not quite as advanced, right? Who would come in and they would have like a racism thing, and then it was like, all right, you know, whatever. And uh, and the Federation could then deal with it. But there was no inside of that ship and that crew. There was no interpersonal drama. There was no, right? It made it harder. It made it harder to write, this I'm is putting sure. A, this is putting a finer point on your argument from last week about yes. it being more dystopian and less utopian, which is yeah. what you would hope for in a Star Trek series. And, uh, you, you know, it's like it's lazy writing to write just like, oh, bad admiral. There's a bad admiral, okay, who happens to be inside of Starfleet. That's like, like that was banned practically from Gene Broddenberry's vision. You couldn't have, you know, two people on the Enterprise fighting with each other for drama because in that twenty fourth century or whatever, we had figured out how to get along everybody to get along with each other. Yeah. That's what's up. And then it's like if you want that drama, you gotta go find it from other aliens that aren't there yet. So that's it. And they're trying to do it because We they get wanted, it. You're a purist. We get it. <laughs> they want to do it because they want to talk about Trump. Ah, uh, okay. sure, they sure. Want to talk, they want to make refugee points, Damn. and they want to make Trump points, and they want it to be a super political show, and they're doing it. And look, you still can do that. Of course you can, mm. but they're doing it in a lazy way. So go watch The Expanse instead. But I will <laughs> say, and this is the other point I haven't made yet about Picard, is that where's a good spaceship? And I've talked about how Discovery, the Star Trek Discovery ship, is a garbage ship because they just literally Xeroxed a Ralph McQuarrie painting. And listen, Ralph McQuarrie does great stuff, but you need to like finagle it a little bit. It's it doesn't fit the Star Trek world by itself. It's more actually a much more Star Wars feel, especially as a prequel show. You know, right. to be able to do all the flippy doopy, you know. Yeah. So that spaceship sucks. <laughs> Finally, on Picard, we see now the little like uh, baby spaceship that they're all kind of riding around in in Episode Four, and it kind of does some cool stuff. And, um, and it's kind of cool looking. So nice. I'll, I'll give it that much. And it is, it is got me episode four taking a while to get there, but, um, it's, uh, it's in, it's got my interest in a way. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Anything else? Nope. Yep. Nope. Okay. Let's have a hi from another member of the Zones podcast family. Sup, you stupid nerds. How is that podcast for you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Jenny and Paul. We're, we're part of the PJ party. Yeah, that's right. So now you're done nerding out with me. Let's call me a nerd. I just nerded for oh. an hour and a half. I stand by what I said. Come over and check us out on PJ Party where we do all kinds of non-nerdy things because it's not allowed. You won't let me talk about the nerd shit. <laughs> yeah, I shut it down immediately. <laughs> Which is smart. Um, but I heard that there's like a lot of, um, you know, uh, saucy stuff that you guys talk about on this podcast. Like Webmeister Butt is Sexmeister Butt or something. Like, That's very true. Use like lightsabers as dildos or whatever. Oh, West. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what you guys do over there. So if you're a Sexmeister too, <laughs> come on over and listen to to the PJ Party Podcast. <laughs> I promise I won't call you a nerd anymore. I think you guys are pretty cool and I feel left out, so. <laughs> Kirsten James, where can we... Nope, she's not here. Paul Placino. Yeah. Where can we find you somewhere? On the internet. Love you, Kirsten. Feel better. Great. At Art Aronson, uh, Between the Stammers as well. Lots of news in Canuckland this week, so yeah. we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, episodes out on Thursdays, usually. Big nice. trade, right? Yeah, huge trade. 
And I'm Webmeister Button on all socials. This has been the Geek Out Podcast, episode 71. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.